Tonight, we discuss God's sovereignty in election. Does God elect unto salvation? And if that's the case, are humans still responsible for their sin? Questions that every Christian probably has debated or thought about or asked or argued about. And you don't have to. We're going to answer those questions today in Romans chapter 9 on The Deep Dive. Hey, it is The Deep Dive, Season 5, Episode 19, and I am your host, Tim, and I'm so glad that you are here. And I hope that today, tonight, we answer a lot of your questions concerning something that becomes very, very contentious in the church, God's sovereignty in election. Romans chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, and uh, let's open up in a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for the chance to hear your word and study it. We pray that you will speak to us, and my words will be your words, and our ears will be open, and our hearts will be transformed and renewed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Open the Bibles, the book of Romans, chapter 9. Through the magic of technology, we have the opportunity to study God's Word together digitally, and I am so glad to be able to do this with you uh, here on the Deep Dive. And uh, all I ask for you, one, one simple ask right now off the bat, is like, share, subscribe. Do one of those three things. Do all three things, uh, especially if you want to get to heaven. No, just kidding. Um, we're going to get into this because we have to identify one of the most profoundly important doctrines of the Christian church, and it is the doctrine of uh, our election that, that God has sovereignly chosen to save us. And, and the question comes, why on the heels of Romans 8? Because we talked about Romans 8, perhaps the greatest, not perhaps, definitely, I think, the greatest chapter in the Bible. Does Paul then steer the ship so uh, uh, tenaciously to election and sovereignty and all these kind of questions that you're probably not asking, maybe, if you're reading through Romans 8, right? So we're going to deal with that. Let's look at the outline of Romans one, one more time. Remember, 1 to 4, justification by faith. 5 to 8, life in the spirit. 9 to 11, God's sovereign election, which is where we are now. And then we'll talk about life in the body, uh, 12 to 16. But this next, um, this next slide illustrates the outline of Romans 9 to 11. And, and, and this is an important outline because he's talking about Israel as an example and still as a tool in God's hands. Uh, so Romans 9 deals with Israel's past election. How did God deal with them in their past? Romans 10 deals with Israel and the present rejection of Israel, both their rejection of Christ and God's present rejection of them because they do not, do, they do not belong to Christ, uh, mostly anyway, <laughs> predominantly. And then Romans 11, Israel's future restoration. These are important terms and important chapters. A lot of Christians avoid these chapters like the plague. Like, if you ever read through the book of Romans, you probably get to Romans 9. Again, on the heels of Romans 8, and you think, what is this saying? And how is this helpful? Well, it is helpful. And, and here's why. The question is, why does Romans 9 follow Romans 8? Remember Romans 8. No condemnation. God's spirit. God's adoption. Uh, his spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are through the power of the Spirit, putting to death the misdeeds of the body. And, all, you know, the Spirit is mentioned over 20 times in that chapter to talk about the fact that 
God will never let you go, never give up on you, and he's put his spirit in you as a deposit of that's just going to continue to work in your life to transform you into the image of Jesus, that all things are going to work together for your good. I mean, the, the most powerful, profound truths a Christian can hear. Then Romans 9, let's talk about Israel and their election and what God did and all that kind of stuff. And you think, well, why? Three things, three reasons. Number one, remember that Paul is considered a traitor to the Jewish nation. He left Judaism for Christianity. And he didn't just leave Judaism. He left devout um, insider of insider Judaism, Pharisee of Pharisees, tribe of Benjamin, the whole deal, and legalistic righteousness. And he, and he goes to Christ, and he comes to Christ, or Christ comes to him, saves him, and he becomes this devout evangelist for the gospel. And then he is the apostle to the Gentiles. He even calls himself that. Unthinkable for his old life. Unthinkable for a Jew to want to see Gentiles receive the same benefits that they have. So how should he respond to their Israel's rejection of him? Okay, so his family hated him for his love for Christ. Is that resonating with any of you? Let me know in the comments down below. Do you have some family who don't understand why you're so devoted to Jesus? Well, welcome to the Apostle Paul's deal. And he's going to respond with Christ-like love, and it's going to be amazing. You're going to see that in just a moment. The other answer to why Romans 9 follows Romans 8 is because we have to we have to identify what is Israel's purpose since they don't believe in Christ predominantly. There are Messianic Jews, and I'm not denying that's the, the case. And let us not forget that the first 10 years of the Christian church was all Jewish. But what is their purpose now in human history and in end times uh, history or future history <laughs> that is to come? So that 